0: Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hey guys, welcome back to the Heart of Dating podcast today. I'm your host, Kate Warman. And as always, I'm so thankful that you're tuning into the podcast today. Friends, it has been one week since my book, Thank You for Rejecting Me, came into the world. And wow, wow. Y'all, I am just in awe that this book baby is out for all of you to read. I keep getting your messages and seeing your posts and I just am pinching myself. It feels like the most surreal dream of my entire life. Now, if you've been around here for a while, I'm just gonna go ahead and do the vulnerable thing. I'm going to ask if you'd be willing to support me in this lifelong dream of mine and consider buying my book and even reviewing it once you've read a bit of it. This is a book about finding yourself. It's a book about reckoning with your past pain. It's a book to unmask and heal the ways that you self-reject so you can reconnect with yourself. It's a book about finding more of yourself and more of God through the pains of your past so you can transform them into purpose. It's about healing and finding new tools to face rejection in the future. Because trust me, my friend, it will come again. But here's the truth. This time, you can be more prepared for it. Also, this is not just a book for people dating or someone with a laundry list of dating experiences. Have you ever self rejected or told yourself insidious lies? Have you found yourself drowning in insecurity and crippling body shame? Have you stepped out and then felt rejected because it didn't go exactly your way and you don't know what to do? Have you been betrayed by somebody that you loved and now you're trying to fight to learn how to trust again? Have you ever been abused sexually, physically, or emotionally? Have you dealt with overwhelming shame that suffocated the life out of you? Have you been suddenly abandoned by a family member or someone close in your life? Have you wondered where God is within all of the pain? If even one of the above relates to you, my book is for you. And I'm so excited for you to read this book because each and every rejection that I've faced in my life has ultimately redirected me to something greater. And I know it will do the same for you. If you listen to this podcast and want to support this ministry, I want to ask you to consider ordering my book right now. It's available wherever books are sold. And in fact, you can even get it Amazon Prime to your house tomorrow. There's even an audio version of my book that is full of emotion and expression. In fact, I love the audio version so much that I'm just going to tell you, if you like this podcast, you're probably going to love the audio version because it really has my personality spiced up in it. All right, so one of the hottest chapters of my book is chapter three, Never Have I Ever, Fighting Sexual Shame. This chapter is all about healing from purity culture, sexual shame, and your sexual past or lack thereof. And in order to have a healthy dialogue around this hot topic conversation, I brought on the directors of the well-known and incredible organization, Moral Revolution. Moral Revolution is a company of individuals helping to define healthy sexuality. They are committed to talk openly and honestly about healthy sexuality the way God designed it. Shame-free, full, passionate, unhindered, protected, and life-giving. They have endless blog posts, a podcast, courses, events, and so much more. So today we're diving into purity culture and healing sexual shame with Caitlin and Cole Zick from Moral Revolution. Caitlin and Cole have been married and in ministry together for 15 years. They currently serve as the directors of Moral Revolution in Reading, California. Before moving to Reading, they led the youth ministry at Capital Christian Center in Sacramento. In 2014, they launched My City Conference, a youth and young adult conference focused on unity in the Sacramento region. They have a deep desire to see the church thriving and working together to be effective. As a couple, they have made sexuality a key focus of their ministry as they share their story very openly and vulnerably, hoping to see others find freedom through it. They created four children in five years, which gives them insight into their love for chaos. I love this conversation today with Caitlin and Cole, and their story is absolutely powerful. You're gonna see in this conversation today that both Caitlin and Cole have very different backgrounds, and I love how they addressed it with one another, how they navigated these conversations, and how today they use their passions to help others navigate similar healing conversations with one another. So, guys, buckle up. We're getting into this conversation about sex, sexual shame, and the purity culture with Caitlin and Cole Zick. Okay, y'all. Caitlin and Cole Zick, what's up, friends? We're so excited to be with you,
1: <laughs> yeah, we are. we're we're we've watched you from social media for a long time, and it's awesome to to sit down and have a conversation, you know, especially with people that lead similar types of things that we do. We, you know, we're all, uh, we need to stick together.
0: <laughs> I so feel you and I love it. I'm so excited. My assistant is pumped right now because she has been like a tried and true moral revolution person for so long. And she's like, Oh, <gasps> Oh, my gosh! you're having Caitlin and Cole. So this is so exciting. Um, <laughs> shout awesome. out to Gabriella. Um, now speaking of that, you guys run an incredible organization, Moral Revolution. I want to hear more about that and why you guys decided to embark on this journey of leading and starting moral revolution.
2: It was started actually not by us, by Chris Valentin. He yes. wrote a book that was originally called Sexual Revolution, uh, that wow. then morphed into moral revolution. and that was about twelve years ago, I think so, The organization has gone through, we're the third directors. It went from...
1: Technically fourth. I think Chris was the first, and then he appointed one, and then have, and then us. So So.
2: Havala Cunnington directed it for a few years before us, and when she was kind of, she's a mom of four and also running her own ministry, so she went that way and called us, and we were super excited because we love talking about sex and sharing our story, so it was a perfect fit. We were in transition anyway. So we got to Reading at Bethel with Moral Revolution three years ago. So wow. we love it.
0: Oh, my gosh. I just love all the content. For people who haven't like gotten involved or read the things and been paying attention to what you guys are doing, can you give us like a baseline, top-line, bird's-eye view of kind of the content that you go over and work through with people through Moral Revolution?
1: Yeah. I mean, our, our real – you know, I think our overall focus, you know, Kate says it best when she, you know, we want to tell the world a better story about sex. And so, you know, we have a lot of resources at Bethel. And so our hardest kind of been to go after every specific different area, right? Because the conversation you need when you're dating or single is not the same conversation you need when you have a seven-year-old that's curious and you're a parent now. And so- Essentially, what we do is we create really specific resources through blogs, podcasts, online courses, things like that, that focus and target specifically to a season of life or the demographic of who needs what. And we create teaching and conversation around those specific areas, all pointing towards, hey, this is God's design for sex. And this is how God desires for us to operate and experience. Um, Honestly, amazing sex in this way, as long as we're understanding God's intent.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think when we cover like the uh, the facet of sex or physical boundaries or anything, everyone's like, oh my gosh. You know, like they're like, right. it's everyone's eyes like opens up wide. They're like, oh, gotta listen to that. <laughs> gotta read that. Yeah. Gotta pay attention. So I love that you guys just cover all the ins and outs on a topic that some kind, sometimes can feel like a little taboo in the Christian church. You know, like we're like sex, what? We're talking about that, you know? Totally. <laughs> (laughs) Um, And so that brings me to what we're talking about today too. And, you know, in my book that's coming out, thank you for rejecting me. I wrote a chapter called Never Have I Ever. (laughs) And I shared a bit about just my introduction to back in the day. Okay. I'm 31. So back in the day in the purity culture and just some of the things that the unhealthy things I um, experienced in that time. And it led me to feel really confused. It led me to feel like uncomfortable with my sexuality and and when i did make mistakes it made me want to hide like what was actually going on and not feel like i had a safe place and i talk about this <laughs> moment in the book i was really young i was like 16 in high school and I got a boyfriend and I remember people found out and they were like, wait, you didn't tell the Bible leaders that you were dating someone. You need to tell them you need to get permission. So it was like, oh no, I didn't know that. Okay. Um, I thought I just had to get permission from my parents. Okay, great. So we like went to talk to them and it was like a very immediate, Hey, here's your list of rules that you have to do. Like, and here, like this list of like, you know, don't sit next to each other unless there's two pillows between you at all time.
1: You can't use Wait any... Wait a second. That yes. was, like, in there? Yes, no joke. Like, Why two pillows?
0: Two pillows. <laughs> I don't know. Enough. One is not enough. But not why enough not three?
1: space. I, I mean, three creates even more space.
0: <laughs> I know. I know we just have the whole... Can't even be on the same couch. Like, let's just why say that. Why be in the
1: same house? <laughs> right. I mean... <laughs> exactly. Yeah, why are they pillows? Why aren't
2: these Bibles?
0: I know. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. gosh. Okay. Oh my I love you. Yeah, and it's just. Anyway, like, sorry. Continue. No, I love it. The humor. It's just like it's so funny because I think about it. I'm like, wait, what? And like, make sure your faces are at least 12 inches apart at all times. Like, I'm not kidding. These are the things on there. Okay, and it's like,
1: hold on, hold on. <laughs> I, did, did you? They wanted you to measure your distance.
0: <laughs> Keep a measuring tape, everyone, <laughs> like in your pocket.
1: <laughs> oh I hope these people are listening to this <laughs> No,
0: I know. I'm like kind <laughs> of <laughs> nervous <laughs> about it, right? Like thinking, like, wait, are y'all gonna listen uh, or I am read my, my book, like? <laughs> like does this still exist are you still enacting this today and you know it's like never agree to be alone okay don't use any blankets of any kind like okay and then it's like I agree to date only in group settings. so it's coming off of you know uh, the I kiss dating goodbye and everything that was kind of happened in that book and kind of some of those like some of those things coming out in whatever form they felt like they wanted to enforce it, and after that, we also had agreed to like start going to marriage count, premarital counseling every week if we wanted to date. It was a thing. You like, a I, date? you yes. had to go to
1: premarriage counseling to date. Yes,
0: we were in high school. Uh huh. So anyway, it was just y'all. I mean, gosh, I felt so much pressure. Which a so much pressure just on dating. Like I'm like I'm sixteen. I don't know if I want to marry this person.
1: Like, <laughs> I just wanted to go to the movies.
0: Like seriously, <laughs> what ended up. Up happening is that we ended up messing up sexually at some point. And because we had all these rules and because we felt like there was such a strict enforcement of everything, we felt terrified to tell anyone. And so we ended up hiding that, you know. And I tried to like help the situation by controlling it privately, like we've sinned. We need to read these books and we need to do this better. But we like didn't have a safe place to share it with anybody else. And ultimately, we felt just so much shame. And so, Anyway, I, I find that there are just a lot of things that have happened because of the purity culture. This is just part of my story, but I, and I don't know what you your guys' thoughts on this, but when we talk about it, it's like we put that sin on a pedestal greater than anything else. Like, we don't see gossiping as a, a strong sin. We see any sexual mess up way more. Do you know what I mean? And so it's, there is hard place I find for people in the church to feel like they can have honest dialogue, especially if they're struggling with things, especially if they do mess up sexually. So that's a long way of saying like, what is, what have you guys found to, uh, with the purity culture movement, just with things that I'm talking about, what have you guys found to be problematic there?
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, I grew up in a Christian home. Kate found the Lord Partway through high school, mm. um, purity culture is not how she would define her early years. <laughs> well,
2: well, I have my own story of once yes. I embarked yeah. in the church, but you go first.
1: Yeah, I mean, I grew up in a very Christian environment my my entire childhood. I think some people on the outside would look at you know the way we were raised and probably assume a lot of that same stuff that you just highlighted. I looked back, and you know, I never personally felt oppressed in that area. Um, I think the biggest difference for me and most Christian raised kids that I talked to is my parents, the only thing they focused on was having a relationship with the Lord. Mm. And so like the rules were like second or third, Mm. you know, like I didn't actually have a curfew in high school, but every time I left the house, my mom said, remember who you are and remember whose you are. Wow. Right. So, you know, the environment I was raised in, it was very clear what was right and wrong. It was clear, hey, as a Christian, this is how we honor God. But I'm not going to force you to do that. I'm going to just remind you who you are every day and remind you who you belong to. And, you know, I don't know how my mom lived on such faith. She had five kids and she just trusted that that was going to be enough to help us make good and healthy decisions. And um, but, yeah, you know, I saw a lot of other people in my in my church that their situation was very similar to yours, just very rigid. A lot of them ended up with babies before marriage, ended up some of them on drugs and alcohol, just, you know, and, and whatever the gamut is, so many other things. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it, it's a, a significant challenge and it has significantly impacted a lot of people's ability to really see sex and sexuality the way God actually designs it, right? They see it the way that Christians have skewed it uh, as opposed to what God's intent is.
2: I think, well, my personal experience, yeah, like he said, I wasn't raised in the church. So I was hooking up with every guy and felt like I was winning because I had the longest hookup list. So my experience was very different. But yeah. once I entered the church, I actually did read all the books because like I had been with so many guys and I knew I was like, I don't know anything Christians believe about this stuff. So I read I Kissed Dating Goodbye. And then I read I Gave Dating a Chance. <laughs> and then I read Kissed the Girls and Made Them Cry. And then I read And the Bride Were White. Like I literally <laughs> like, just downed every probably like, you know, purity culture book possible. And they all had very different opinions. So I feel like I was able to chew the meat, spit out the bones and figure out my own story. But I do think like what you're going at, and what is what has become very problematic, and we're just we're still living in the fruit of it is purity culture saying that sex equals bad. Like they put together like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Like when I think of that, I'm like, how ridiculous, like sex is God's. Like, why is that in yes, there
0: with Why drugs? is it like, in there with drugs and rock and roll? Why
1: does that guy? Like yes, yeah. Yeah. That's and, such I mean, a good point. Actually, I like rock and roll. So yeah. <laughs> drugs is the, is the outlier
0: that <laughs> yeah. should be removed. Exactly. <laughs> totally. Unless it's but, like hospital drugs. Okay. Everyone. And then we're just getting <laughs> right, healthy. <that's> right, <laughs> right, right,
1: right. Prescribed by a doctor. Yes. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Okay.
2: <laughs> so I'm like, if they say sex is bad, it's completely, I mean, of course that's what, you know, the accuser wanted to do he wanted to take what god intended as good created and called it good and turn it into bad which then loads on the shame um and then like you said it kind of it made virginity the prize um cole always says like virginity is not purity it's a fruit of purity and so what happened is like people thought this prize of virginity like if i've if i've not if i've messed it up i crossed that line i can keep crossing that line not thinking about the baggage like there was just no healthy talk of sex. There's no celebration of sex. There's no realization that, you know what, the world has perverted sex. The church has been a bit toxic, problematic, and maybe even silent on the topic or shaming it, but that the kingdom of God celebrates it. And we're meant to celebrate sex as God intended and created it for.
0: Yeah. And what you're saying is so true. Like, I think that's where it's missing today. Like what I talk about in my book is like, there's usually what I see, and you guys probably see way more of this because you're so you're even more in this world immersed. But like two ends of the spectrum I often see is like people who heard the purity cultural messaging and they didn't have sex. But what happens, and I've talked to lots of people who have experienced this, they 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 aren't having sex, but now they have like they re- repress their sexual desire. It's something that like, they are so far removed from that they're uncomfortable in their bodies. They feel not connected to themselves, and it it it's like. And then there, you know, there's the idea that like on the wedding night, like all of a sudden we're going to just flip it on and it's going to be hot, you know, <laughs> like and <laughs> hot, hot. yeah, right. And it's like, and then I I hear and I've heard stories of the those individuals who feel so disconnected from it because it feels like something that's like a shaming thing that you can't touch. You can't even think about like, you know, just something very like that is compartmentalized basically. And Mm -hmm. how do you compartmentalize that for so long and then suddenly open the box and it be like, be a part of you, you know, Um, or the other side, which is what happened to me. You know, I heard the messaging, but I did end up having sex, but I did not feel like I had a place to share. So I got in a place stuck in a downward spiral and it then led me To like actually continue down the cycle, and because I didn't have a true heart understanding of like behavior modification, I didn't understand. I I therefore just kept doing it, and then kept feeling more shame, and then kept feeling less of a place to share. And it was a major thing for a long time that led me into some really bad situations later on. Man, and like there's these two sides. What do you guys? What do you have? You seen this? Like, do you have experiences with that? Uh, What are your thoughts there?
1: Yeah. You know, I have a lot of thoughts on this topic. This (laughs) is probably the topic I spent a lot, the most probably the last six months on a lot, you know, and I I guess I want to set up my experience, give you more details from me on it as to just this search I've been going on is, is I'm like, all right, father, help me understand what your heart is because you do call us to be holy as you're holy that's a very big massive call that he gives us in in Peter in first Peter right but the moment you preach that it automatically starts sounding like shame like the moment we're realizing we're called to be holy all I think about is all the times I wasn't holy right like that's all I'm thinking about and so I'm like all right Lord how do we understand this and the, the line that the Lord gave me was in our fight against legalism which we do need to fight against we cannot sacrifice obedience. Yes. Right. And we need to be comfortable finding that middle ground, you know? And so for me, when I, when we got married, you know, Kate's the only woman I've ever been with. I've never looked at pornography. She's the only woman I've ever said, I love you to, you know, we've been married for 14 years and I definitely had that. I had this expectation that the honeymoon was going to be like fireworks right? Like, this is going to be the single greatest moment of my life. And (laughs) we didn't even end up having sex on our honeymoon. I would say it took us five years before we were having any type of sex at a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. And then Another five. I mean, it, we've been married for 14. I would say the last four have been the fireworks I expected on night one. Wow. Wow. Now, for me, I don't, it really wasn't all that other stuff of shame or suppression. You know, a lot of it, for those that do follow us and know our story, a lot of it was some of the struggles of Caitlin healing from her past. But it definitely created that expectation in me of this is what it's going to be like. There was a lot of letdown and frustration when it wasn't that. Um, You know, and I'm one of five that was raised in the church and, you know, my four kids are being raised in the church. So this is a topic that I'm constantly thinking through and praying through and and, and researching and studying. And I think that at the end of the day, the challenge here becomes rules without relationship. Like that's the thing. I know it's a broken record, like relationship, 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 relationship. But I find very, very, very few people actually have a real in-depth relationship with Jesus Christ even those in the church. And a, an instruction that's given by the Lord out of relationship feels a lot different than a rule that's read out of the Bible because we're told to believe it. Mm, wow. Those don't, they, they don't hit the same, right? So when I look back, I felt like, like I distinctly remember feeling like I had a relationship with the Lord early, probably starting in at least fourth grade. So I look back at the things of my childhood and I don't feel like any of it was legalism because I saw all of it in the context of my relationship with the Lord, not in my parents trying to force their beliefs on me. And that changed the entire narrative for me, right? Like I went in at 22 years old and got married and was a virgin and, you know, never masturbated. This is the moment. And I was happy to be there. And even when it was tough, I never thought I wish I would have had more sex. It never hit me. My thought the entire time was, well, this is the the journey that we have to go through. This is the struggle, you know, and, and all of that was because my parents, everything was that focus on what's the Lord saying? Have you talked to God? What has he said? We're not going to control you. We're going to push you to the Lord and let you make your own decisions, but we're going to tell you what's best and then let you decide if you believe that and want to live that out. That was probably the greatest gift I've received in my life was that type of environment to be raised in because we were taught the truth, but we weren't forced to live out the truth. We had to decide to do it. Wow.
0: That is profound, Cole. Like the way your parents instituted like, you know, not here, be home by 10 p.m., 11 p.m., but like what does God remember who you are and whose you are? I'm like, oh. <gasps> oh my gosh, like (laughs) how different would that have been if that's how, and not to throw my parents under the bus. I love my parents. I know they did the best they could, but there is a lot, like, you know, even whether it's parental upbringing and then bringing that into the teachings in the church, like there is that lack of like, it really comes down to what your relationship is with God. Because when you're doing it out of a place of relationship, out of reverence, And like, I want to honor this person. Like it's a, you're the person that you so covet and love, then it, it comes from a different place. And like, I have to follow this rule. You know, there's that understanding there.
1: Ooh. Yeah. It's big. And I remember there was a, there was a six month period in high school, probably my junior year where I started to go to parties. You know, I had not, I hadn't gotten drunk. Mm -hmm. I hadn't done anything with any girls, but I was definitely on the line. I was going to parties where there was drinking and, you know, stuff going on at them. And you know, and and I had definitely crossed some just personal lines, not sexual lines, but personal lines in that period. And I remember just having this moment where God got my attention again. And my immediate reaction was talk to my parents. Apologize to them. Talk to my my pastor at my church. I went to every one of them and no, I didn't get grounded. I didn't get reprimanded. I didn't get removed from stuff. It was thank you for telling us. It's awesome. It sounds like you're where you need to be if you're telling us on your own. And it was a non-issue, right? It was clearly, you know, that that wasn't the lifestyle you want to live. So let's move on. You know, I was expecting even in an environment that wasn't the rigid, I I was still had this expectation. I'm about to get kicked out of stuff. Yeah. Right. (laughs) You know? um, And when none of that happened, it was like, wow. Okay. Like, I'm not the worst person in the world. I went down a a little bit of a path that I shouldn't have. Grace is given. I owned it. And we just moved on. And I never went back to that lifestyle ever again. You know, I never desired to go back there again.
0: Wow. And that's where I I had this written down. But I think that's what's so important to you in this journey is also – Having a safe place to share um, our temptations, our mistakes, like, you know, there's a point of like, I didn't, I, I did actually share with a few people in my journey and that's what made me not want to share with anybody else because it was their response in those moments that made me feel so condemned that I was like, I just have to get this together. Like I have to get it together because like, I don't want to, (laughs) like, I, 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 am I'm misbehaving, you know, and it was very much out of fear that then I'm like, I got to get this together but I didn't. And then after that, I never felt, I didn't feel like I had safe places to share that. Uh, that's so tough. Gosh. Yeah. And I, I think that that, unfortunately, um, fortunately that's something that everyone listening, like, how do we have grace for that? I mean, I brought this up, I have this as a question later, but you know, like even when we're coming to share each other's sexual past in relationships, that brings up the dating portion here, you know, like how do we go about that without shaming that person further? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a great question. That was a big part of our story.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this is kind of going back, but we'll keep moving forward as well. It's just what shame does. Yes. Like, yes. I want to talk way, about that. <laughs> the way you just broke down, like people might've been in the same culture and had sex or didn't have sex. And really what we're looking at is they're both walking away with shame. It's mm-hmm. just a different kind of shame. So it's the shame <clears throat> of, man, I just thought sex was bad, bad, bad. I thought it was dirty and nasty. I was told not to ask questions about it. And now I flip a switch and I, I have so much shame because I don't even know what to do with myself. Like, yes. I don't even know how, I don't even know. Like, it's just, there's so much shame there. And then, oh, I did have sex and I feel ashamed and I have no safe place to share. And then I just feel more and more shame. So I'm like, shame makes you believe like you're stuck. Like you made a mistake or it makes you feel like you are a mistake not you made a mistake, right? Right.
0: Yeah. So it's
2: like, You are stuck in this spiral. And of course, that's like the enemy wants us there. He wants us isolated. Like, oh, you're the only one who got to your honeymoon and didn't have sex. Like you guys are so messed up because you didn't figure this out. Or you had so much sex and you can't have good sex. You know, like there's just like he wants you to feel isolated, alone, trapped, full of shame rather than free. And that's where it has we have to have safe places to talk about it. And hearing your experience, especially of like, oh, you finally got the courage like, wow, I need to talk to somebody about this. And you were just met with more like condemnation and like kind of fear mongering. But I'm like, that's what happens when the church is silent. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Right. Because those leaders probably were doing what they had done to them. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. there's not even like to put shame on them. Like, even listening listening to those list right. of rules you shared earlier, I'm yes. like, they
0: probably were given those same list of rules, and they like, probably thought that was like the best thing that, that they knew how to do. Like that's how, yes. what they learned, or that's what they thought was right.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, and when leaders are scared, they control. Yep. Mm. So you know, as leaders, the times that I am the least controlling, it tells you how how little fear I'm leading from, because I get I I have tons of grace. I have tons of trust in the people that I'm leading. And, you know, I think back to times when I was a youth pastor, you know, I hate to say there were times in our early years that we were controlling, Mm -hmm. right? Like we were so scared that someone was going to do something wrong and make the youth group look bad or make the church look bad or, you know, X, Y, Z. When I look back at some of those early years, I'm like, dear father, I was doing what I was taught.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And when I think of why I was scared and because I was scared, I was controlling. And that was creating shame. It's it, you're, when, you, whenever you're leading out of a fruit of the demonic realm instead of the fruit of the spirit, <laughs> yes. the results are going to end with shame.
0: Yeah. Wow! Oh, my gosh. That's (laughs) reminding me of all the moments I've been controlling and how it's just bringing up a lot for me, y'all, too, of, like, that is probably my ultimate issue in dating even because I'm fearful because most of my trauma comes from dating, you know? So, Mm -hmm. like, in dating, I'm like, I feel like I need to control this. And it's coming from exactly (laughs) what you're talking about, a place of fear of, like, no, it needs to happen just like this because if it doesn't, I don't know what that means, you know? Totally, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So then moving forward with the question you asked about sharing our pasts. Um, I think it's crucial to talk. We talk about this one a lot. And I know it's a common question you probably get as well as like, when do you share your past dating journey? Right. Like date one. Are you a virgin? Yeah. (laughs) No, no, no. no, That's not how we go. (laughs) I actually just chatted with somebody today who was saying like, I guess that's how her dad dated. And it was like, and if not, you are off the date. Oh, (laughs) my my gosh. gosh. (laughs) So funny, funny story actually there, though. Cole kind of has a little bit of a story there. He had this rule in high school, him and his buddy. That they had a below the belt rule that they wouldn't date a girl who'd done anything below the oh, belt. Oh my gosh. And then I was like, then you got me, sucker. Yeah. <laughs> He's blushing. I wish this was video. Oh right my huh? gosh, <laughs> me too. He's like, I uh... not blushing.
0: <laughs> All right, friends, so as a woman who's actually been abused and taken advantage of in the past, coupled with also being a woman who has lived in bigger cities, I always want to make sure that I feel safe wherever I go. Even now in Los Angeles, when I walk around my neighborhood, when I go run errands or venturing out into new areas of LA, I just always want to make sure that I feel safe. So I discovered this incredible brand made by women that is absolutely amazing. It's called Birdie. Birdie is a personal safety alarm that is easy to carry and simple to use. Seriously, I tried it and I love using it. It's so easy to use, you guys. When activated, the alarm will emit a loud siren and flashing light to help deter an attack. Birdie is no danger to you, so you can feel confident using it. And as a bonus, it comes in fun colors, so you'll actually want to carry it. I actually got a few to give to some of my friends because they make phenomenal gifts. With Birdie, you can keep doing what you love with added peace of mind. Before you leave the house, you do the checklist for your phone, your keys, and your wallet. And now it's time to add one more thing before you walk out the door. Birdie is the newest essential addition to your routine. Sometimes it's hard not to worry about the what ifs of life. What if I don't make it in time? What if I mess up? What if I feel like I'm in danger? If you don't want to worry when it comes to your safety, especially as a woman, you need Birdie. So how do you get it? You can visit She's Birdie, spelled S-H-E-S-B-I-R-D-I-E, dot com slash heart, and by doing that, you'll get 15% off. That's She's Birdie dot com slash heart to get 15% off your order. I could not recommend it more, you guys. Please go check it out if you want to feel safe in your routine. I just love my birdie and I'm going to be giving them away to so many of my friends from here on out.
2: Cole knew like pretty much from early on that I had a story. <laughs> um, but I definitely like I did a lot of work on just like I did confess and I, I don't share your same experience that I like I, I was met with like a really healthy leader who, um you know, there wasn't any extra shame loaded on or condemnation. Like I just felt very free. There was actually, it's so cool to think about it. Really. I'm like, here's some good news. Y'all there was, it was a lay leader who like led in our youth group. She was just a, a mom who started something called pure heart and the youth group. I, once I got saved, I started going to, I was like, I went to these pure heart meetings and I could share everything I had been through and what I'd done. And so I, I really had a different experience of just knowing like, oh, I'm a new creation. That's not a part of me, you know, all of that. Um, so then when Cole and I were dating, um, when it came to the point where he's like, I think I got to know, like, I got to know the the story. Like I need to know these things. I just remember thinking I can't do that right now. Cause I think we, we weren't engaged yet by any means. And he knew I had a past, but I'm like, I feel like if I tell you all of these, you know, these moments and these things, I'm like, I'm going to relive it and feel like I am that person. And like, I'll see myself through the way I'm assuming you see me now. And, So our experience with with that, you want to share what your part was?
1: Well, and this is what I would say to the dating couples um, that are in that boat. I think the the healthiest route is for each partner to be totally willing and ready to share anything once you realize, hey, I'm probably going to marry this person. Like Mm -hmm. we're both mentally and emotionally ready to get married, whether you're engaged or not. This is the person for me. I'm choosing them. They're choosing me. We're going to go through the technicalities. Maybe we don't have enough money for the ring. That's the only reason we're not, you know, whatever it is. And that you're both willing to, but in a very healthy God-led relationship, we find most often it's not necessary. Yeah. Right. Like, so that the journey that we were on, when we got to the point where it's like, okay, we're going to be together. Mm -hmm. I went through this few week period where I just, I think it was honestly the enemy. I couldn't stop thinking about all the guys Caitlin had been with, right? Like I couldn't stop picturing these moments and these things and stuff like that. And I was like, all right, you got to tell me everything, babe. We got to meet. I need to know everything before we can move on in this relationship. And so we would set up a time to meet. To, to, meet up, to talk about it and her to bear all and tell me everything that had happened. And she just said, you know, it's, I don't feel like I'm that person anymore, but if you really have to know, I'll tell you because I, you know, want to stay together. And I, the Lord bef- the night before just like met me and he's, you know, we were in Bible school. I mean, he said, Cole, if you make her do this and you won't forgive her of her past, then I can't have you be a pastor. Wow. Oh my God. And I'm like, well, how are those two things aren't connected? Like I fought for purity my whole life. Like, you know, I've got all the self-righteousness of why I deserve to be able to, like why she owes me almost, you know, why she owes me this explanation. And the Lord just said, well, I can't have you preaching about grace from a stage if you don't even understand the cross. And if you're making her relive sins, I've forgotten then you, you don't understand the cross.
0: Oh. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yes, this is my. Now trap. I, I want to say this.
1: It, we're not talking about sins that were current in Caitlin. We're not talking about sins that were lingering. These are things she had confessed already to her mentors. These are things she had got healing from, right? Like, like current current bondage is a totally different thing than past failures and past sins. She was years removed from this now. My flesh was just wanting to be answered, right? And so in that moment, I just it it it. It was like, you know, sometimes you get that download from the Holy Spirit and you don't even need any more teaching. You It just like literally feels like it switches a light on in your brain. Yeah.
0: Wow. It was
1: That was it. I said, okay. I called her the next day and I said, I don't need to hear anything. Here's what the Lord spoke to me. I'm done. And I mean, literally that was 16 years ago, 15. I've never, I mean, we, she stares, shares stories of blowjobs she got in back seats and <laughs> movie I got, theaters I gave. or gave me <laughs> <eBay. laughs> Oh, I mean, we, now we travel the world and we share <gasps> nice. our story, and she shares some of them in detail, some of them not. And I could sit there on a stage and hear her give intimate details of stuff. And it, I mean, it has never had an impact on me ever since that moment when I started looking at her through the lens of the cross, not the lens of my, what I felt entitled to.
0: Oh, oh
1: my gosh.
0: I'll just need to like, let a moment there to think that that's just thing good for some people. Okay. <laughs> and Caitlin, like, I want, I want to hear too, like, I, I can relate with you and your story and you know, like what I'm not sure sh- what I haven't shared yet is like, I start I've dated nonstop from 14 to 24 and in that I had sexual relations with men but I wasn't truly following the path of God until like later a little bit later in that journey and but early on like before the relationship I'm talking about with y'all I was doing things with guys I just like it was happening you know so it wasn't until God really spoke to me later in life that I like whoa something totally shifted in me but now what I've experienced in recent years is that that has been something that's been hard in our, in my relationship is sharing. If, if I am sharing any of the sexual past, how that person responds, because for me, I do feel like you did sharing with, like, I feel like a new creation, but there's been some people for me that have handled that so poorly. And it's actually sent me into some shame that I have like felt removed from for so long, you know? So when you heard him say that, like, what did that do for
2: you? (laughs) Oh, I mean, it was incredible. I remember, I remember making this really cheesy thing. We did date when we were young. Um, I made this kind of cheesy thing. I think like he hung it from his like car, like rear view mirror. But I remember making it and it said something like along the lines of like, I am pure and like, I like, I knew my name meant pure. Like I remember like, you know, the the Christian bookstore. Yeah. We have the same same name. So I'm like the Christian bookstore, little card you get with your name and like the meaning. I'm like, Oh, I am pure. So I was like, and then I remember, so I had that moment with Christ already, but then having it with Cole was like, and I know you see me as pure. And it was so powerful. And Cole says this all the time too, is like, she was just as worthy to walk down the aisle wearing a white dress as I am on the other side waiting for her. Like, because of the blood of Christ, like we were both new, like we're both pure, we're both. So I'm like, it just, it shifted everything for me. And it, I don't know that I could have overcome. Um, Obviously everybody just has their own stories and experiences, but for me, it was really critical in me um, being able to walk out like freedom and health and knowing and believing and understanding how Jesus saw me. Cause I'm like, that's, you know, it says in Ephesians, like husbands are to lay their lives down the way that Christ did for the church. And I'm like, I just feel like I honestly was able to see myself even more as Jesus does through my husband. And yeah, it was super powerful, super healing. Um, And honestly, our marriage has benefited greatly because of it.
0: Wow. It's these little moments. I feel like that we, I just love these conversations because There's so many people listening that maybe haven't responded that that way in the past, and you know we have the opportunity to change that, to shift that, to figure out why you responded when someone shared your sexual their sexual past with you in a way that was, you know, a reactionary way or a shaming way or a self righteous way. Like this is your opportunity, you guys, to figure that out and and bring that to the Lord and shift that to the to like because this is how it can go, you know. And I want to back up too for a second and. For the people listening who just resonated with the shame portions, the the pieces where they're like, whether I feel shame because I haven't done anything and I feel like so out of touch, you know, or whether I feel shame because I've had a lot of sexual history or I've tried a lot to be better and I'm just not – it's not clicking. Like what do you guys suggest to start moving on the path to debunking the shame? Like Carl Jung says, shame is a soul-eating emotion and I really – believe it just eats away at our core of who we are and separates us so much from God and his love and the truth of who we are and how he sees us, how he created us. And so, and our beloved identity, but anyway, how do we start separating and starting moving, removing some of those layers of shame? Um, what have you guys seen like that helps people or personal things, anything you have there?
1: Yeah.
2: Personally, I had a very profound moment where I feel like, I like I had already confessed, I like I knew I was a new creation, but I definitely felt like either you could use the word tormented or taunted, I guess, even as a more clear word, I felt like taunted, like it was like a button that could get pushed when I would have like either flashbacks or just remembering moments from my past that would bring shame. And it was very much the unspoken things. So I think even to hearing your story, Kate, where you're like, I shared and it was met with something terrible. So I'm like, if that was your experience, or maybe you've never shared it all. Like I know so many people might even say like, I'm taking this to the grave with me. Like nobody will ever know this happened to me or I did this. Um, I think those things that we think we're, we're burying alive are really murder. Like they're killing us. They're killing us. We're, they're not surviving that. Um, it's just leaking out into shame in different areas of our lives that really holds us back. And so for me, I just found that what was hidden was haunting me and I had to bring it to the light. And so my experience was, um, actually I was reading a book by Lisa Bevere. It was uh kiss the girls and made them cry. And she leads you through a conversation of renouncing every different tie from the past and really kind of breaking those soul ties. And for me, again, I'm like, I've prayed the prayers, I've done the things, but it was these certain moments. And I think, again, this is what shame does. It's, well, if they knew this about you, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't love you. If they knew this about you, they wouldn't accept you. Like if they knew you did that, it's over, you know? So I think it was those moments. It was those really like, ew, make me feel gross thinking about them. That's what he was taunting me with. And so I called my mentor, went over to her house at 1am and I told her literally every visual I could think of. I definitely had so many that I might've forgotten some, but everything that was taunting me. Which happened
1: to be my mom at the time. It's it's my now mother-in-law was my mentor. Oh
2: my gosh. Which which honestly, I kind of love because I'm like, screw you enemy. Like you would think that's the last person on the planet. You would want to know your entire sexual history. And I'm like, but that's the power of the cross. Like she doesn't view me any differently. Like I feel nothing, you know, like it doesn't have the weight that you would think it should have. Um, but when I confess those moments and I mean, they were, they were the backseat moments. They were the 45 minutes. I said, no, then I said, yes, like I'm going to filter. They were the moments that you're like, this is disgusting, but it's what was really getting me still into shame. And I told her everything, like you know, I use dirty words, like I use yeah. all the things. Okay, I'm gonna filter it here because we're yeah. on a podcast. But I get you. I, cause they even coming out, you know, you're kind of like, oh boy, it's coming, it's coming, and it lost its power the second I said it. Like I never had to say it again. Never had to think about it. Like now I could say it because I'm like, dah, 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 but we'll spare all of the ears listening. <laughs> but it lost all the power. So I just think it's so important. And I mean, the Bible says it so clearly, James five sixteen, where it says. Confess to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And I know there's no formulas, but I like to pretend that's a pretty good one because yeah. it's like if we do find that person, and the second part of that verse is a righteous person, uh, the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. And so that righteous person, finding that person, that doesn't mean self-righteous, like the person who's going to bring condemnation and fear. It's a person who's in right living with God. When you find that person that you can confess to and they can pray for you, like you will be healed and it's healed in your soul, healed in your spirit, healed in your mind, healed in your body. And so I, that's, that's my recipe (laughs) for recovering and getting out of shame spirals.
1: Well, and you know, there's layers to that because you know, a lot of people don't have the person that they don't feel like they have the person to confess to like the Caitlin had that was going to respond the right way. Right. Like some of them are the people that you had to when you were younger, you know, and, and the other thing I would say on the confession side, I want to give a something, you know, to kind of go with it, but shame is really rooted in fear of man. Very rarely do I talk with somebody that's struggling with shame and they're terrified of what God's going to think. It's always they're scared of what the leader is going to think, the Mm. people are going to think, the person's going to think. It's so deeply rooted in fear of man. This is going to change my standing with people that I need their approval. Right? So really, if you look at shame, I mean, it's very rooted in that, that, that need to be in good standing with people. And I would say that was the second gift my parents gave me is my mom conditioned us to not give a flying flip what anybody <laughs> thought, even the pastor at the church.
0: Yes. Like wow.
1: we don't do anything for anybody else. Wow. If you, if you tried to use the excuse, everybody at school's going to do this Friday night, that was guaranteed. You weren't going to do that. We didn't have a ton of rules, but rule number one was you don't care what people think and you don't do anything because everyone else is doing it. And that gave, that's always given me a ton of freedom to confess. I'm willing to go confess because even if you don't accept me afterwards, I don't really care because I don't need your acceptance to validate my Christianity. My faith is validated by my relationship with the Lord, not you saying that I'm a good enough Christian, right? You know, and and it's backfired. I got kicked out of Bible college because I got in a bad situation one night. I mean, if I even shared it, we don't have time and it's a waste of time because it's such a small thing. Um, but you know, four of, four of us one night hung out in a setting we shouldn't have. We told our leaders the very next day and they kicked all of us out for it. And, you know, I stayed going to the church in this program I was in. And, you know, months later, this girl comes up to me and says, you know, I got kicked out of the youth group and I know you got kicked out of this, this program and you seem to be doing really well. Like, how are you not depressed? Like, you know, da da da." And I actually didn't know the answer right off the bat. I stopped and I thought about it. And she goes, why do you still come to church here? And I stopped and I thought about it. I go, well, because I was never living for the pastor that kicked me out. Like I never woke up thinking I need to get his approval today. Every day I'm waking up. How do I honor God today? Well, God does tell me to confess. So I'm confessing because the Lord tells me to. And my goal is to worship him with my life. So I'm going to confess. I'm not doing it even for the pastor. I'm doing it so that me before the Lord, I can say, you know what? I worshiped today. My actions worshiped him. And I didn't need that pastor the pastor that kicked me out. I never needed his approval. I want to honor him, but I don't need his approval to validate me as a Christian or a human. And so, you know, i m- my encouragement to people or my challenge is to really seek the Lord on burning out fear of man. Because fear of man will cripple us with shame. Um, because man very rarely responds the way Jesus would even the best of the best pastors don't a lot of times, right? Like, geez, the the only perfect responder to failure left 2000 years ago. And so now we're all, the rest of us are trying to figure out how to respond the right way. I think of countless times I responded poorly um, and I've been responded to poorly. So, you know, I think that that shame piece really begins to get addressed when we can get a really healthy perspective on the role that God plays in our life and the role that other humans play in our life, all of a sudden we're not living scared of disappointing everybody because I'm here to worship God today. And everything else is kind of a secondary plot behind that.
0: Yeah. And what you're saying for me is bringing up that not only do sometimes we feel shamed by others, but sometimes our shame is self-induced based on mm-hmm. our fear of what other people are going to think exactly what you're Absolutely. saying. And it's, and because, and also like that comes from so much conditioning in our society. And like, I'm thinking as you're talking like social media, like all we do is compare, you know, and like be see, seeing all these things and fearing like, Oh, what if I'm not, if I don't come across as this, or what are people going to think of this and the blah, la 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 blah, blah. And now, oh gosh, it goes into so many facets and layers. And sometimes we are just honestly shaming ourselves. I can relate to that as you're speaking. I'm like, man, like how many times have I just, indu- I mean, I am so hard on myself. I think that's one thing where I, when I talk with my therapist, like she is like, you're so hard on yourself. You know, like <laughs> you're being really hard on yourself again. Like I'm inducing my own shame. Cause I'm like, I'm my own worst inner critic of most of the time, you know, it's like, and I'm the one berating myself more than even other people are. (laughs) I'm the one creating my own rules for myself that then I'm like shaming myself for not keeping, you know, it's like, what does it look like to have also grace for yourself? And when when I'm in moments of triggers or when I'm in moments, I often find myself, okay, Kate, I've been trying to practice more instead of like shaming myself for reacting a certain way. Let's have grace for why you did react that way. Let's, let's think about it. Like what happened? What have, what's happened in your past that made that, okay, we can analyze that. We can have grace for that. That came up because of X thing that you've been through. Okay. Mm Okay all right, let me have grace for myself in that moment. And then I can get to like, how do I want to show up differently next time? But if we go straight to, oh, you should have done this. You should have done that. The shoulding, you know, (laughs) it's like Mm -hmm. we're shooting on ourselves, letting other people should on us. And (laughs) I love that phrasing. (laughs) And it just brings us again, deeper into like a shame of I should be this way. And man, okay, you guys, This is just, it's been, I mean, I feel like I'm getting some breakthrough even just talking to y'all, okay? (laughs) But okay, we could, I know talk longer, but want to be respectful of time. And so to kind of round out our conversation, I ask everybody the same final question and you can talk about it to do with our conversation today or just anything that comes to head. But I always ask what, this is a dating podcast. So in terms of dating advice, the couples, the singles listening, what would be just your final nugget of dating advice? for them
1: listening today all right I'll go first Since she pointed at me and silently said you go first <laughs> um my my advice would be this um it is absolutely worth it to make honoring God the number one priority in your dating life you know the the conversation today is so so critical so important we cannot live in legalism religiosity control that type of stuff like that will never lead us to honoring or worshiping God in our life. At the same time, God has called us to obedience. And, you know, in my life, I don't, I never regretted it. Was it fireworks on the honeymoon? No. I would say, you know, the way we would describe our sex life and marriage now after 14 years, it took some time to get going. Now that it's going, I can't fathom had I had a different experience. I'm so thankful that I didn't that I haven't had multiple partners and I didn't have I'd never looked at pornography and and like all of that stuff wasn't a part of my past you know I'm so thankful I had parents that taught it to me out of relationship not out of rules and because now I sit here at 14 years into marriage and I am excited about where we're at and where we're going and and so my my encouragement to those dating is you know, the heart of dating to, to go off of the <laughs> yes, the title of the ministry good. is really seeking the heart of God and pursuing that worshiping with your lifestyle, not living in legalism. Remembering he put both trees in the middle of the garden and they had to walk by both trees every day. There was a reason even God didn't want to control them. Right. So it, You know, as long as we're prioritizing, hey, I am going to worship God. I'm going to try to be holy as he who called me is holy. When I'm not, I'm going to John 1 and I'm going to confess because I know he's faithful to forgive me and make me pure again. And that I actually trust in the power of the cross Mm -hmm. to make me pure again. As long as I'm I'm operating under those principles, there really isn't something beyond God's redemption and his ability to redeem. And so I'm going to wake up today and I'm going to try to worship him in my dating life. And then I'm going to trust that that's going to lead to a really healthy marriage.
0: I love that. I'm like, hmm nodding over here, all the mm That's
2: perfect. I was trying to picture what my choice of, it's too hard to boil it down to one. I know, but I know. I just, uh, just before we started this, I finished filming for Date Well, and the topic we were talking about that I think is key is knowing yourself. You have to start with a foundation of knowing and seeing yourself the way God does and that just means doing the work of uprooting the lies, uprooting the pain from your past so that you can be a healthy whole person because Cole always says two halves don't make a whole. It takes two whole people to make a whole marriage. And so making sure and doing the work, like your the self-control that you practice now you'll need in marriage, the understanding your core values, like you're going to constantly keep working and knowing on who you are, who God said you are. And then that whole, like even fear of rejection, like your whole book, I'm like, that goes out the window when you're so confident in who God says you are. You're like, well, this is who I am. So clearly we are not meant to be aligned because. (laughs) So I just think knowing yourself and kicking out the lies and being super confident and having your core values intact and just your foundation of just knowing who you are in Christ. Yes.
0: It's so important because we so often, as we get later in life, it's like, I need someone to fill that bucket for me, you know? But it's like that too two whole people make a whole amazing new thing. And it's not two halves coming together. It's not that weird like soulmate, two halves broken apart that you then find together and it's one... No, it's two whole individual people. I love that. You guys are amazing. I am all about everything you're doing and I just love your marriage. I'm listening, nodding, being like, okay, Lord, so let me just like have a marriage like this one day. Thank you and amen. Like seriously, I'm like, praise God. Okay. Uh, No, but seriously, you guys are... Incredible. I love what you're doing at Moral Revolution. If people want to connect with you and anything you got going on right now, I'd love to
2: hear about it so that they can um, get involved. Yeah. Um, moralrevolution.com or just Moral Revolution on Instagram. We are working on a new thing called Date Well, A Path to Wholeness in Dating for All the Single Ladies. Um, yes.
0: I yeah, love that's this. our newest
2: thing. But yeah, we've got content on sexuality from every angle. So even if you have a. a we've got s- content on sexuality
1: from every position. Oh.
2: Oh. <laughs> But you can also find our podcast, um, Let's Talk About It, Moral Revolution podcast on all the channels as well. So we would love to connect.
0: (laughs) Amazing. Well, thank you guys so much for sharing today. I love this and blessings to you. And I can't wait to just continue to support what you guys are doing at Moral Revolution.
2: Oh, you too. Thanks for having us.
0: Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. And that is exactly what we did today. (laughs) I know you guys just wanted to hear me sing. I know that. That's why you listen to this podcast. But I am so grateful for Caitlin and Cole and that raw, incredible dialogue just about the purity culture and sexual shame and... I love that Caitlin and Cole both lived on opposite sides of the spectrum and just the way they navigated those conversations together with love and compassion and grace. I am truly so grateful for them and their ministry and everything they're doing at Moral Revolution. Also, y'all, this is a hot topic. So we'd love to hear your thoughts about it. Please contact us on Instagram. Connect with us over there at at heart of dating if you haven't already. And share with us what came up for you as you listen to this episode today. We would love to hear your thoughts. All right, friends, that's it for today. And we will see you for this week's mini series on Friday. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network.